Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church, Goodyear, Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Let's keep that song going. I love that song, man. We're supposed to be over. I'm up here grooving to this. Good morning, Compass Church. How are we doing? All right, this is going to be fun. Okay, my name is Mike Cerati. I'm the pastor of students and families here at Compass Church. And I have a little story to tell you. So um, boys and girls, gather around. Um, I didn't know that was funny. but um, So uh, yesterday morning, I woke up in Pine, Arizona. Okay, I was in Pine. I knew I was supposed to be there. That wasn't a surprise, by the way. a funny story, I was actually sleeping on an air mattress in a closet in a cabin. Um, we were actually, Andrew and I every year, our middle school director, he and I run the youth ministry around here, and uh, we, every year we take our team up north for two nights, and we have some fun, we connect, we strategize a little bit, we worship God, it's just a fantastic time. So uh, we just finished that, in fact, um, it's a great time, we finished the, the night, the, the, really the whole experience with an hour and a half game of hide and seek in the dark, okay? So if you're not on the youth ministry team, I'm sorry, okay? Just saying. But um, it's interesting because I woke up and I'm driving, I wasn't driving home, I'm in a car, we're riding home, and about 11.30 I get a call from Pastor Gabe. And he goes, hey man, how you doing? I'm like, good, this is strange, right? Call me today, and and, and," because we never talk, we don't even like each other. It's a joke, it's a joke. But he calls me, he's like, hey, uh, when are you going to be back? And I'm like, well, I'm about 20 minutes away. He's like, awesome, can you preach this weekend? And I was like, that's a strange question. It's like 1130, you know, it's like four hours from now. He's like, yeah, Tim can't can't do it. So here's the deal. I I end up having a conversation with Tim, and and he kind of gave me the line that he wanted me to share with you. So uh, our our lead pastor, you don't know this, he's a uh, captain in the Air Force Reserves, and in the military, you have this thing called a PT test, right? And you have to pass this test, and Tim's always working out that kind of stuff, but you know Tim, I mean, he's a driven guy, and he decided that he wanted to work extra hard to train for that, and uh, he found himself, you know, just lying on the ground, unable to move with something wrong with his back. So... Um, My son actually thought it'd be funny, like, Dad, we have a wheelchair. Why can't he just, you know, do that? (laughs) So yesterday at about 12.30, I sit down and I look at my notes for the first time. They're not my notes. They're Tim's notes. So I'm preaching a message on behalf of Tim Jacobs this morning. Um, Now, I don't need to ask for as much grace as I did last night because I had studied it a few times. I've preached it once, so hopefully it goes okay. Um, But I want you to know, this is Tim's message for you. and I am up here preaching it on his behalf, which is actually kind of fun. So let's have some fun this morning. All right, I want you to do this. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Um, and uh, I want to introduce our new series. This series is called Battleship, okay? It's a fantastic graphic. Battleship, sermon series, get on target. If you've been going to Compass here for any amount of time, you kind of started to hear us drip in pretty consistently this language. We are a, we're not a cruise ship, we're a battleship, okay? Church It's not supposed to be a cruise ship, it's supposed to be a battleship, and we need all hands on deck, all right? We need all hands on deck. So for the next three weeks, we're introducing this sort of um, culture that we're trying to implement here at Compass Church, this idea that we're not a cruise ship where you come and lounge and wait for someone to serve you, but a battleship where everyone has a station that needs to be manned so that we can hit the targets that God has given us. 
Okay, so in this series, I wanna warn you, some of you, maybe if you're new at Compass, you, this series might just inspire you and you might be sitting here going, yeah, this is my church, this is awesome. For others of you, you might be um, new to Compass and you prefer the cruise ship mentality, all right? You prefer to sit back, put the leg up on the, and the arms on the chair and you're like, what do you got for me today, pastor, right, okay? And you don't have any intention necessarily of, of manning a battle station yourself. And I, I just wanna warn you, this series, we're gonna be challenging every human being that calls Compass Church home to find a station to get behind, to find a team, to find some cause here inside of the mission of Compass Church to, to, to some cause to join. And if that's not you, you may just find that this church isn't a place for you, and we hope not, but it's important to us that we understand that we are not a cruise ship and a battleship and we need all hands on deck. So there's three targets in the series that we're gonna be aiming at. The first one we're gonna be talking about today, the first target is, is uh, aiming at children and young people, okay? Um, and you're like, target young people? It's, it's, it's not like that. We're, we're not really going to fire anything at them. We're, we are targeting and focusing on our, on our youth, on our children, okay? and how badly we need to make sure that we are trying very hard to get our kids into the kingdom of God, into a relationship with Jesus. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. And so we have some specific ways for you, yes, you, to engage in this mission and this target, and why? Because this is a battleship, not a cruise ship, and we need all hands on deck. The second target that we're gonna be aiming at is our surrounding community, the area around Compass Church. You know, the Lord's Prayer opens like this. It says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if we were to take that second line and tweak it just a bit? What if we were to say, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done in Goodyear as it is in heaven, in Litchfield Park as it is in heaven, in the West Valley as it is in heaven. So our next target next week is our community, and we're gonna give you specific ways this year that we're gonna be moving outside of our walls to engage our community. In fact, next week's message is entitled, Let's Own This Town. And why? Why are we bringing this to you? Because we are a battleship, not a cruise ship, and we need all hands on deck. The third target that we are going to be aiming at is, um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. Third target we'll be aiming at is connection. Why would we aim at that one? Here's why. Let me, let me just be very honest with you. And remember, Tim wrote this. Your life matters. The lives of those sitting around you matter. We have mental illness in this room. We have depression in this room. We have deep levels of fear and anxiety in this room. We have people who are ready to file bankruptcy in this room, ready to walk away from their marriages in this room, suffering from a sense of isolation and darkness in this room. And we do not want you to go through that alone because you matter. Just as, per, just as much as the person next to you, the person behind you, the person in front of you, those who you just high-fived and handshook, you matter. And we gotta work together to make sure that everyone on this campus, everyone that calls Compass Church home understands that and feels that. So in two weeks, we're gonna borrow a title from the old show, Lost. The, the message in two weeks is called Live Together or Die Alone. Already our connection groups are essentially full. We need more leaders. We need more people. 
We need more connection. And why? Why do we need you in this? Because this is a battleship and not a cruise ship, and we need all hands on deck. Those are our three targets. So let's get started this week looking at the target of our under-18s, the youth, the future of the church, okay? Hopefully by now you've turned your Bible to Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Before we read it, I'm gonna give you a little background, a little context, what's going on leading up to this moment that we're about to read about, okay? First thing you need to understand, at this point in the book of Matthew, Jesus really is at the height of his ministry. He is as famous as he's going to get. He's pretty much... Uh, I would argue, and I don't think many people would disagree, that he's the most famous person on the face of the planet at that time. And that's saying something, because there were a lot of pretty impressive people that lived in Jesus' time. And for modern day people, you just to get in your world, and he's trending on Instagram. People are tweeting and retweeting his, his little one-liners. Jesus is the stuff, he's the deal. Everyone knows about him, why? Well, why not? He simply touches people and they're healed. This man clearly is different than any other human being on the planet. And this passage that we're about to walk into takes place right after another one of these situations where these Pharisees, you know the religious folk that really wanted to make people feel bad about themselves and really didn't like Jesus, so they come in all the time with these tough questions, trying to catch him, and Jesus essentially wipes the floor with them every time because he's smarter, why? Because he's God, right? Okay, so he's just finished doing this again. They try to trap him in another question. He outsmarts them, embarrasses them once again. And that really, right after that moment, is where we pick up here in verse 13. Let's read together. Then children were bought to him, brought to him. I did that last night too. Children were bought to him. I don't understand why I did that. Children were brought to him and he, that he might lay his hands on them and pray. Then the disciples rebuked the people. But Jesus said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and they went away. So what's happening here? So these parents, because presumably, hearing what Jesus had been able to do and, and knowing what everyone kind of knew about Jesus, that this man had power to calm the storms, to heal the sick, to cast out demons. Uh, just like most of us, mom and dad, if Jesus lived today, I'd probably stand in line for a blessing, right? Wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, bring the kids, let Jesus touch them. I think that sounds fantastic. And I think this really practically, I think what's just happening here. Parents are going, I just need my, I, I just want to bring my kids in the presence of this man, whether they believed he was Jesus or not. Clearly, they could tell that this man had power and authority. So they brought him. Maybe they're thinking they'd have protection in their lives from disease, from enemies, from misfortune. Maybe they thought that because of this blessing they would grow strong and have children of their own. Whatever the case may be, these children, really any age from young, 10, 11, 12 years old, somewhere in that, the parents are just bringing them. And then this rather interesting, and I would argue funny part happens, and I, I don't know if you caught this, but it's interesting, right? The disciples rebuke them. Stop it, parents. Why are they doing that? It's like Jesus has become this popular guy and his disciples basically start acting like his handlers, his bodyguards, right? You can see Peter standing there kind of rebuking people with the sword, threatening to cut people's ears off. You can see the th sons of thunder, okay? James and John, that's how they're referenced. What an interesting name. Um, kind of like the sons of anarchy with their jackets and leather, their leather jackets and sunglasses going stop, right? Why are the disciples doing this? Parents start to bring their kids. They got the sniffles, little things like running, no, little things running down their nose. Their hands are dirty. They kind of smell. 
This is pre-shower history, right? So the disciples are like, whoa, what are you doing? Come on, this is the son of God here. He doesn't have time for this. Keep moving, move along. Come on, people, this is crazy, right? Get out of here. And Jesus is like, time out, bro. Time out, guys. What are we doing? Whoa, 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 whoa. That is the opposite of what I want you to be doing right now, right? It's actually pretty interesting, in fact, that Jesus even has to do this. Because literally moments ago prior to this, is recorded in Matthew 18, in the first parts of Matthew 18, the disciples come up to Jesus. It's kind of a famous moment. They're like, hey, Jesus, you know, we've been together for a while and there's 12 of us. We just want to know which one of us is the greatest. Which one do you like the most? You can just see Jesus. He would use this emoji in his text, the palm face emoji. And Jesus replies to them, and calling to himself a child, he put the child in the midst of them. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This just happened. Jesus has clearly got a thing for kids. He loves them, bringing a child in the midst and saying, be like this guy or gal. And like, yeah, 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 okay. Why are the parents bringing the kids? Get out of here. We don't want kids. I mean, what, what's going on here? It's crazy. If you think that's pretty clear, listen to what he says next. Jesus goes on to say, not only that, that if any one of you causes one of these little children to go astray, it would be better to have a great millstone fastened around your neck and drown into the depths of the sea. Well, that seems dramatic. Have you ever seen a millstone? Like, no, now you have. Look at this thing. This is a millstone. That's big, okay? Imagine that little uh, pipe being taken out of the middle and you fit that little, that big donut on your head, jump into the ocean. What's gonna happen? See you later, alligator, right? You're not gonna survive that. It would be better to have that done? Do you hear what Jesus is saying? That's passion. That is a God who loves the little ones. It'd be better for you to be dead than to cause, from my perspective, one of these little ones to stumble. Wow, that's insane. So Jesus is, the, is displaying this intense passion for little ones and really calling us to act and be more like them in terms of their faith and that dependency on a mom and a dad. You feel, do you see what Jesus is saying here? So here's the question I have for us today as we look at this target of the under 18, the children, the toddlers, the, the nursery, the students, whatever the case may be. What is what, is, what, is what Jesus saying here how do we apply this to our context as we have them as a target, something that we want to focus on, something that we want to get right? There's two things that I think we can pull out of this and apply. The first thing is to parents. I would say this, getting your kids into the kingdom of God, parents, must be a priority for you because it's obviously a top priority for Jesus, for God. 
Now, this is the point where I think most parents, many parents would be like, oh, good. Oh, I think I'm okay here. I really love my kids and I love God. In fact, I would even argue that today, in many ways, we see that parents are more involved in their kids' lives perhaps than ever before. And in some ways, I would say that's a good thing, but it's also in some ways the reason we've coined the term helicopter parent. And what's a helicopter parent? I'm gonna protect them from everyone, right? We love them so much and we want them to be so safe that we don't let them go anywhere. We don't let them do anything. In fact, I would argue parents spend more time with their kids And in that sense, times have really changed, but I'm not necessarily trying to say that that's a healthy thing. Now, you may disagree with me, but let me give you some illustrations here. This this, will be fun, okay? We'll have some fun here. First illustration is this little cartoon, and I think it's fantastic, okay? So back in the day, kid got a bad grade. Mom and dad and the teacher are like, what's what's up with this grade, kid, right? What are you doing, right? Well, what happens nowadays? Have you got any teachers in the room? Raise your hand. She's going, yes, that's so true. And now the kid gets the bad grade and the parents and the kids are walking around, why do you stink at your job? And the teacher said, amen, I love this church, right? They understand me, okay? The times have changed, parents, and you may be sitting here going, okay, I'm just be real with you, I've done this, okay? My daughter's not the best at math and, and, and th- throughout the year she's had some amazing math teachers. In fact, one of them goes here. She misses having you as a teacher. I haven't seen you yet today. But anyway, she's had some struggles and there's a few times we're like, man, why does this teacher just not get it, right? That's not the only thing. Let's continue. Let's have some more fun. Okay, hopefully no one brought tomatoes in here because I'm about to heat things up, all right? Parents, immunizations versus non-immunizations, <laughs> Right? There's some passionate people about this one. You got to immunize your kids. No, you don't. Like, they would just yell and you go on Facebook and you're like, I can't go on Facebook anymore because the moms are all mad at each other, right? That's not all. We got homeschool versus public school. (laughs) That's a passionate one too, isn't it? All right. Things have changed. By the way, and there's the, the best sign ever of helicopter parenting are those horrible little kid leashes. <laughs> have you seen those at Disneyland? It's like someone said, let's take a teddy bear and put straps on it and then a leash in the back so the parents can drag their kids through Disneyland. It's okay, I'm keeping him safe. He won't run away. Just teach him your phone number. <laughs> Three-year-olds can memorize things, I promise. Then you don't have to imprison them. They get some freedom, okay? Times have changed. Um, times really change. You want to know why they invented the dinner bell? I don't know this to be true or not, but I think this is a great reason. You know why they invented the dinner bell? Because back in the day, parents had no idea where their kids were. None. They left school and they're like, I don't know where Billy is, but dinner's ready. Let's ding this thing until he comes running home, right? Because back in the day, parents just let their kids go. Now we got them strapped to leashes and we're hugging them and holding them like this. We don't even let them go to public school. I'm playing, please just know I'm playing, okay? We love homeschool families. Okay, we have a large homeschool group in our our student ministries and they're fantastic people, okay? And then there's shots, right? Back in the day, shots? Heck yeah, give them shots. I don't wanna pay those medical bills. We're not paying those, you got more? Give me a shot for attitude. You got one of those? Just stick them. And nowadays it's like, no, right? Times have changed. 
Public school was invented because parents were trying to get their kids out of the house, right? Hey, I don't want to teach them anymore. Get them out. Billy's got an attitude. Let the teacher handle it. Now, I'm joking, but this gets to the point, right? Here we go. You ready for this? Things are different today. In fact, many of us have involved our children in everything imaginable so that they'll end up with a scholarship or become pro athletes or in an orchestra. Can I tell you the number one thing that I fight as a youth pastor here? And I know Andrew would tell you this as well. The number, number one thing that we fight, sports. Hey, Mike, I'll, uh, it'll be a while before I come back. All right, cool. When do I see you? Six months. Why? Well, my parents really want me in this club. Okay. Do they like pray and have you read the Bible too? <laughs> like, we're not winning that fight either, by the way. Look at this guy, Dabo Sweeney. By the way, you may know him. His team just won the national championship, kind of a big deal. Um, he's, he's known as really an unashamed Christian. And I love this quote. Read this thing. You can win, 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 but if you're not equipping young men to be great husbands and fathers, you lose. My guy just won the national championship. And what's most important to him? That these men love their wives and their children. Ginger and I have two kids, Lexi and Isaac. Lexi is 12 years old, Isaac's 10, going on 11. And um, I'll just kind of share a little bit about some of our philosophy with them. And I'm not, please don't hear this as a right or wrong necessarily. I'm just sharing with you kind of our heart. Um, and it, uh, our approach to our kids when it comes to like their future, we, we kind of see ourselves as dream supporters. Dream supporters. We want to know what their dreams are and we want to invest in those dreams, okay? And, and, and they know that. We'll give our time, we'll give our energy, we wanna invest in their dreams, not the dreams we're giving them, we wanna know what they want, okay? And we'll invest and give time and cheer them on in that. In fact, really the only thing that we ask from them in all of that, there's one thing and it's this, and it's very simple. Whatever you do, give it everything you have. Give it 100%. In fact, we're gonna hold you accountable to effort. And can I just say something, and maybe some of us parents, we've forgotten about this. That means they might not get A pluses. Because the best they can get you in math is a C. And my wife and I, we're cool with that. If we see them giving everything they can, in fact, my son, he kind of struggles a little bit with English. And he's, he keeps trying to say, Dad, I'm bad at English. I go, no, Isaac, you're not allowed to say that, not in this home. You just need to work harder at English than other subjects. So what are we doing to, to, to bring it up? How can I help? By the way, he might not get scholarships because of English. And guess what, parents, that's okay. We'd rather have Isaac or Lexi work at Borrow's Pizza and love Jesus than to go to school for free without him. We don't want our kids to have the world handed to them and then spend eternity in hell. And that's not to say the kids shouldn't have goals and parents shouldn't teach them to be aggressive and work hard. Aim, aiming at mediocrity is not the point, that's, and it's not holy. It's not good. But to us, the most important thing is that our kids are walking with Jesus. And I don't mean that they say, yeah, I believe in God, or that they go to church. I mean that our children would tell you, looking in your face, that the most important thing in their life is Jesus. That's what's a win to us. That as they grow up and filter everything through their life, that the gospel would be the center of that. Here's the deal, parents. 
if you've kept your kid too busy to be confronted with his creator, if you've kept her schedule so full that she has no time for her savior, you are hindering your child from the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to remember the millstone. We're losing our kids because we're teaching them that the most important thing in the world is winning and good grades because these are the only things that we cheer them on for. You know, it's monumentally easier today for kids to get high and by high, I mean smoking weed than it was in any other generation. Do you know that there are students that are getting high in class because they can just add some THC and wax to vape pens? During instruction, they'll pass these around because they're scentless. And of course, we can't forget about the accessibility and attitude towards sexuality. These days, porn comes straight to a cell phone. Girls are being pressured all the time to send explicit photos of themselves to boys. And many parents don't even know those things are happening. And of course, now there's the gender confusion and, confusion and all that stuff that's going on. And then oftentimes, the culture, we just look at these kids and we shake our heads at them like, What's wrong with this generation? And we don't realize that we don't have one-tenth of the soul-crushing stuff around us that they do now when we were growing up. So what's the solution, parents? Jesus. Just Jesus. He's all they need. Is the way that you are parenting your children pointing them to Christ or pointing them to success or the world's view of it? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I just want to ask the question. Parents, are you pointing your kids to that Jesus who saved your soul? Are you celebrating the times that they're getting in the word or are you just celebrating when they score touchdowns and get A pluses? Parents, are you hindering your own children from entering the kingdom of God? It doesn't end with parents. The other way that we can apply this is here as a church. Getting our kids into the kingdom must be a priority for compass because it's a top priority for God. Parents, I got to you, church. Now it's your turn. It's our turn. In your program today, you were given a, a card just like this. These are the um, connection group cards. On the top of this card, we, we have five values that are listed here. I'd like you to pull that out, and I'd like you to look at them. These are our unique values here at Compass Church. These are the things that we believe will help us accomplish the mission of helping people find their way to God. And we apply these to every age group. These run, these are the filter that we try and reach and, and connect and grow and send every age group here at Compass Church. And so I'd like to go through these with you, church, and I'd like to look at these through the, through the lens of our children's ministry, our student ministry, our special needs ministry, for every ministry under, aiming at people under the age of 18. Number one, 
We believe in presenting the gospel to our community in an understandable way. In other words, we don't expect people to jump through hoops to try and understand what we're saying. Instead, we try to make it simple so that everyone, whether they are are churched or not, know the language or not, can understand what we're saying. And that goes for our kids as well. And you want to know what language our kids speak? Fun. That's the language of kids. And I'm not just talking two-year-olds. I'm talking about 18-year-olds. They speak the language of fun. You know, I know that Tim, when his kids were still in our, our, our um, uh, children's ministry, he used to, the first question he'd ask them every Sunday um, on the way home, he'd ask them before, like, what'd you learn? He, the first question he asked is, did you have fun today? And the reason he did that is because he knew that if they weren't having fun, then at some point they'd learn that church is boring and they'd stop learning and stop caring. They got to have fun because they got to learn about God's great love for them. And God's great love for them says, I created fun, I created joy, I created play, and I created people that like to do those things that love you and want to invest in you. Listen to what Craig Blomberg writes about our passage. This is a commentary. Believers ought to treat their children as special recipients of God's love even prior to their conscious commitment to Christ rather than emphasizing their lostness. Church, do we, let me say it this way, church, do you see each child on this campus as a treasure? That's why we're excited about one of our newest ministries, Compass Treasures. It's for our special needs kids meets every Saturday night. We're teaching the gospel and investing in special needs. We need to do that all over the place. All hands on deck. Number two, we believe faith requires a courageous posture of risk, change, and action. Faith isn't just about believing, it's about action, which includes risk and change. You know what that means? That means, church, that we are going to have to make significant, sacrificial investments in the lives of our children. They are the next generation. In fact, I don't know if you know this, many of you don't. In fact, the future, the hope, the master plan of this campus is that this very room will one day be solely committed to our children's ministry. The plan is to knock out this whole side of the building to build a two-story attachment with a massive playground on the other side of it so that everyone in the West Valley who drives by this church says that church cares about my kids. And that's gonna take an investment. But risk in action also means for some of us the idea of investing in our children not just with money but with our time. And for some of us, That's scary because we think back at our own time as adolescents and children and we go, man, I'm done with that. I did my time, right? Because that's exactly what Jesus was saying in this passage, right? No, he said, bring the children. That was his heart. Look, I understand that some of us never want to go back there, but can I just say this? There are young people right now in this church who sit alone, who feel how you once did, and they could really use you. They really could. Maybe you walk on this campus every week and you think, man, this place is awesome. They've got it covered. All hands on deck. Or is our attitude more like the disciples? I don't got time. Jesus doesn't have time for the kids.
Number three, we believe that godly, lasting relationships produce spiritually and emotionally healthy people. We believe that for kids too. Listen, one of the mantras that we live by in student ministries here at Compass Church is the kids do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. We've got to invest our hearts into these kids. And I can't tell you how many times I've talked to people. Well, I don't know that I could do this. I just don't really love teenagers. Can I just tell you this? You cannot invest in the life of a teenager or a child. You cannot see their cries and see their smiles and everything in between and not have the Spirit of God make you fall deeply in love with their face and their names. So I don't care how you feel right now. The question is, do you have the same heart that Jesus does? Because God will change your heart. And you'll love them, I promise. Because we don't do childcare here. We point them to Jesus. And that doesn't happen without you. Chap Clark, one of my favorite authors, wrote a book called Hurt. And this is what he said. He's quoting Patri Patricia Hirsch from a, um, a book called Tribe Apart. What kids need from adults is not just rides, pizza, chaperones, and discipline. They need the telling of stories, the close ongoing contacts so that they can learn to be accepted. In a national survey in focus groups recently, America's youth have given voice to serious longing. They want more contact with adults who care about and respect them. That's where you come in. I don't care how long you've done it, where you're at in your days of life, you can tell stories. And, and this is so powerful in their lives. You get to tell them where they came from. You have to give them your stories about how you got through it. You get to tell them all these things. We have middle school and high school students who need connection group leaders, and that could be you. And is it easy? Is it easy? I'll tell you, it's not easy. But look at value number two. We believe that faith requires a courageous posture of risk, change, and action. Listen to this note from an anonymous high schooler out of the same book from Chap Clark. You have no one to ask what's wrong. You can't take it anymore. There's too much pressure, so what do you do? You find someone to talk to. The pressure's too high, choking you like a noose, so you think, what's the point of fighting it? You try to think of the old days when you were little when life was about having fun. All you need is someone to talk to, but it can't be your parents because they're always fighting. I can't tell you how true that quote is. Our fourth value, we believe in multiplying everything, leaders, ministries, and churches. That goes back to all hands on deck. We want to plant new churches, but it doesn't start there, does it? It starts with multiplying leaders, starting them young. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but many of the people that are on this stage every week are students that grew up in this church. Our drummer is still in high school. Last night we had high school, a recent high school graduate teaching fourth and fifth graders. We have volunteers of students in our children's ministry. Look, Tim told me this week, he's like, I, it's not lost on me that there's a good chance the next senior pastor of this church is under 18 and in, behind one of these walls. So if you currently serve 
in children's ministry or student ministries. If you currently serve there right now, would you please stand up? Don't be ashamed. I want the church to see you. If you currently serve in students or children's ministry in any capacity right now, would you please stand up? <sighs> You're my favorite people. The church, does this look like enough to you? Look around. You can have a seat. Thank you for your time, for putting up with a heartache, for putting up with the rejection. Thank you for what you do. Look, I realize that not everyone in this room can join on this target. I mean, honestly, some of you, <laughs> I don't mean this to be a joke, you might have a criminal record that excuses you <laughs> from working with children. Not all criminal records, by the way, disqualify you. But our, fourth, our fifth value, our final value, we believe the Spirit of God leads us in real time through prayer and interaction with His Word. If you can't work with kids, and by can't, I really mean can't, not don't want to. Yeah, I know. If you can't work with kids, just pray for us. Pray for them. I promise you, with all my heart, I promise you, we'll never stop aiming at them. We'll never stop finding ways to have fun and point them to Jesus. But if you can't say can't, we need you to man a battle station. We don't have enough. We don't. And if we do our job right, we never will because you'll show up and kids will feel loved and they'll tell their friends and we'll need more of you. So I'd like everyone right now to take out your cell phone and the connection group card. You need both. On the back of this connection group card, you're gonna see this fancy little icon called a QR code. Now some of you in this room know what that is, and some of you in this room know that if you have an iPhone, all you have to do is open up your camera, like you're about to take a picture, and point it at one of these QR codes, and your iPhone will open up the link that's attached to it. Here's what we need. You. I'm not trying to obligate, make, make anyone feel obligated right now, I'm just trying to say, look, this is the Word of God. His heart and his attitude was bring the children. And I know some of you in this room would be amazing teaching and dancing and playing and tossing a ball and, and just showing up and knowing the names of kids in this room and working with our children's ministry director and our preschool director, Colin and Jenna. They need more people who want to invest in the lives of kids. If that's you, then, then simply aim your phone at this little QR code that says, children's ministry. You're not committing. You're saying, tell me more. I want to have coffee with Colin or coffee with Jenna, and I want you to tell me what you need and what I can do. That's all that is. And if you're sitting in this room and you're like, I remember what it was like to be a teenager. I got fourth and fifth graders literally right behind this wall right here. I got eight, seventh through twelfth graders behind that wall right there, and they need more people like you. All you got to do is pull out your cell phone. I don't care who you are. As long as you don't have some, as long as you don't have some uh, criminal record that keeps, has to keep you away from children, then you're qualified. Last night, no one signed up for service. 
Would you help us, please? And if you don't know how to use it on your phone, just stop by Connection Point, give them your name, tell them what ministry, they're ready for you and I will get back to you. We are a battleship, not a cruise ship. And we need all hands on deck. And as I close, please feel free to fill out those forms on your phones right now. I'm not gonna hold you back. I'm hoping to see lights on your faces. As we close, Others of you, I don't want you to miss the other point of this passage. It's not just about children. It is, but there's a message there for us adults, and it's very simple, and it's this. To come to Christ as a child means to come with empty and open hands, kind of like your children do when they're hungry, or they need help, or they've got wounds that they need you to address. It means to come to a place of dependency, not relying on your resume, your own success, your own view of yourself, but on God by like saying, hey God, I feel like I'm a good person or not, whatever. It just means, God, I need you. And I think there's some of us in this room today who need, perhaps for the first time or for the 15th time, to come to God like he's our daddy with dependent-like hands saying, dear God, I need you. I can't do it on my own. And it's that type of heart and that type of attitude that belongs in the kingdom that God will run to with great joy and say, I've got you. We need to take our cue from the kids. We need to come to Jesus like children. Because that is where the surrender and the drawing near and the relationship with Jesus starts. And Jesus changes everything. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this morning and the chance to share your word and your heart, God. I pray for this church, God, that you would raise up an army of men and women who say, I will step in and I will love kids and students the way that Jesus loves them. I will give of myself, I will give of my time, I will sacrificially invest because they matter, because they matter to you, God. Lord, help us, help kids and their families find their way to you and raise up right now, God, leaders and lovers of students and children who will care about kids and then point them to you. And lastly, God, help us to come to you like children, dependent, like a child to a dad, or to a mom because we all need you in Jesus name I pray amen thanks for joining us today why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for him to find out more about our church online go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time